riches in my life. How many of you would like to have true riches? So we'll start in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and I'm going to take the time to read a number of verses. Um, Since I'm going to be referring back to this over the next couple of weeks, I thought we would just read it all and really get it into your spirit. Um, This is one of the great teachings of Christ. It's called a parable where Jesus took a fictitious story and he used the story to illustrate eternal principles. It's called a parable. And this is one of Jesus' most studied parable. I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation today. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted them his money, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave the five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on a trip. So we've got a man that was leaving on a trip. He had multiple servants. He gave one five, one two, and another only a single bag of silver, which would have equated to a great deal of money in our day and time. And the Bible says that he gave to each one of these men according to their ability. So he did not give them all five or all two or all one. But he gauged each of them individually, and he invested his money in them according to their ability in hopes that they would be able to reinvest his money and cause it to grow. And so he gave to them according to their ability. Now the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. Notice that he invested the money. The next servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earn two more. So one man was an investor, and the other man had some kind of a trade, he had some kind of business, he had skills, he had know-how, and he put it to work, but at the end of the day, it increased. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So we have two men that invested the money and caused it to multiply, and we had one that didn't invest. He simply buried it in the ground. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Of course, Jesus is the man on a long trip. The man that lived 33 and a half years here on earth, but he went and ascended to the Father, and he's been gone now nearly 2,000 years, but He is coming back, and He has invested in us His money. His money represents time, talent, abilities that we have in this life. He gave it to us, and He gave us a space of time and said, I want you to put it to work. I want you to cause it to grow. multiply whatever I've given you, whether you're one bag, two bags, or five bags, multiply it, cause it to grow, and when I come back, I'm going to ask you to give me an account of what you've done with my money. And so Jesus is coming back, and we're all going to have to stand before Him and give an account for what we've done with our lives, the assets, the abilities, the talents, the giftings, the opportunities. He wants to know, what have you done with your life? Many years ago, there was a university that was advertising for new students and made a profound statement, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A life is a terrible thing to waste. The time God gives us to live on this planet, it's a terrible thing to waste. You and I both know people that with all good intentions, for whatever reasons, they've just wasted their lives. And once life is wasted, once time is spent rather than being invested, 
It can never be regained. It can never be recaptured. You can't live it again. All you can do is learn from it and do your best in the future. The servant to whom he had entrusted, can I, can I stop on that word entrusted? Entrusted is a beautiful word. He entrusted them. He gave them a great deal of money. We try to reconcile how much a talent or five bags of silver might have been in today's currency. We can't do that, but we, we know that it would have been many thousands of dollars. Some people suggest it could have been in the millions. So he was not just giving them token change like I do my grandchildren. He was making a significant investment in their lives and giving them the opportunity, some capital to work with. Everybody say capital. Now, you know, if you've ever started a business, you know the importance of having startup money or having some capital to work with. It's very difficult to start any kind of business if you don't have capital to work with. So God said, I'm, I want to give you capital. I want to give you something to work with. You don't have to start with zero. I'm going to give you a bag of silver. I'm going to give you talents and abilities of mind. I'm going to give you motives and incentives and knacks and know-how. And I'm going to give you people around you. And I'm going to give you opportunity because I don't want you to start with nothing. I'm going to give you some capital. Every person in the world has some kind of capital. You have something that God has given you to work with to get your life going and to make your life significant. And it's up to us to find out what capital he has given to us. For some, the capital is obvious. For some, it's easy to figure out. And for others, it may take a little time. But we all have capital. We all don't have the same kind of capital. We all don't have the same amount of capital. We have different amounts, but we all have an amount. And God has given us the opportunity to take what he's given us and to multiply it. But to do that, we have to be investors, investors. He has entrusted us with capital, assets and abilities that he wants us to use to move our lives forward. So he entrusted us. The one he entrusted with five bags of silver came back with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. Well, he doubled it. I don't know how long the master was gone. That's not a part of the parable. But, um, I mean, you know, if you double your money, that sounds good to me. How many of you would like to double your money? I mean, you know, we'll go for double, double your money any day. Now, the master was full of praise. He was very pleased. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, I want my life to put a smile on God's face. And when he gets ready to have a party, I sure want to be invited. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more again. He didn't start out with the same amount, but he doubled his money. He's a winner. God rewards us on proportion more than amount. Because he said to the servant, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So one guy, he, got, he added five, and well done, good and faithful servant. Going to give you more. Let's celebrate. One guy added two, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate. So it wasn't about amount. It was about proportion. It was about taking what you have and increasing it. And God rewards us not according to what someone else has, but according to what we have that we could have done something with. So I propose that there are going to be people that were given a lot but didn't do much with it, and their reward is going to be very slim. And others who were given very little and yet did a lot with it, whose reward is going to be great in heaven. Because God doesn't reward according to amount as he does proportion. Not so much what someone else did by comparison, 
but what I could have done with my life, the potential that I had as a human being. And he knows what that potential is. He put it in me. Let's go just a little further. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. Let's just stop right there. I was afraid. Maybe one of the great immobilizers in life is fear. One of the great obstacles that people face, all of us, is fear. Just a sense of dread, a sense of imposing danger or threat, just a sense that this might not work out, just a sense that I might totally fail. And because of that, they just dig a hole and bury opportunity and potential and assets and abilities and a great life. Just bury it in the ground. Try to preserve it. And for fear's sake, he didn't multiply his money. Listen to what the master said. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. That's some seriously strong language. I don't know about you, but if the master ever looks at me and says, Randy, you are wicked and lazy, I mean, I'm done right there. That that wipes me out. I can't take that. Wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, what is he talking about? He's talking about how that he is an investor. He, He invests And then he sees a reward. He doesn't go out there and plant the crop and harvest the crop, but he invests in others so they can harvest the crop. So he said, you knew that I was an investor. You understand how the kingdom works. You know how the principle is. You know you've seen me operate. I invest in others, and then I get a return on what they grow. You knew this. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least. Everybody say at least. I could have gotten some interest on it. So he said, at least put it in the bank, get a little bit of interest. I mean, you know, you could put your money in a local bank, get a savings account there, and, you know, 1%, 1.5%, maybe 2%, buy a CD, you know, big enough, long enough, might be a little more than that. But uh, the point is, it's not a lot but it's an investment. You're doing something with what you have to do with. You're utilizing it in some way, but doing nothing was a disaster. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. You know, God is a smart investor. He gave this man a chance. He really, really didn't come through. So he took his investment back and he gave it to someone that was proven to be good investors. And so the one that had five ended up with another. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So there's a principle in life. Um, Interest compounds. Uh, When you invest and it grows and you continue to let it grow, it can become quite large over the space of several years or even a portion of your life. It's just a dynamic. Um, And God said, if you give it to the man that already has that machine working, my money will grow with him because he already understands the principle of investment. Let's go ahead and finish. Now, throw this useless servant Wow, useless, useless servant, a servant that responded to fear, a servant that didn't know the principle of investment and didn't engage and invest what the master had put in him. He calls him useless. Throw him in outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a harsh punishment. And I can tell you that If we don't learn how to use the principle of investment in our lives, investing in the kingdom of God, investment in ourselves, and investment in other people's, life is harsh. Life is brutal. You get to the end of your life and you realize you spent it all, but have very little left to finish your life. 
So if we don't learn how to be God's investors and really learn how the principal investment, putting a little bit in now with a promise of a return in the future, and always investing rather than giving or taking, or spending or taking, is the key to ending your life at the place that you probably want to be. Can you say amen? amen. Now, <clears throat> you know, Renee and I have our retirement account. I hope that all of you do, regardless of your age. Everybody needs a retirement account. And uh, so, you know, uh, we have a Edward Jones account, and they man manage that part of our investments, our retirement. Now, <clears throat> none of the money there that is waiting for Renee and I to need it sometime in our future, none of that money belongs to Edward Jones or the individual that's our financial planner. It's all mine and Renee's money. It will never be their money. It is our money. And they know it's our money. But it is their responsibility to grow our money. We assume that they are far more knowledgeable and they are far more capable of growing our retirement fund than Renee and I would be. We're assuming they've been trained, they've educated, they have lots of experience, they have corporate wisdom, and so we invest with them because we believe that they'll be able to take our money and grow it so that when we get to the point that we need it, it'll be there waiting for us. The first thing that we need to get straight in our lives is ownership. The word steward, servant, is also the word steward. Could also be the word slave. In modern times, we would probably use the word employer or employee. But at the end of the day, the servant never owned a slight, tiny piece of silver. Never owned it. From the time the money bag was put in his hand to the time he brought back the extra he had earned, at no time did he ever own one single piece of silver. It was not his when the master had it. It was not, it was not his when it was in his care and keeping, and therefore he gave it back. You and I need to realize that everything we own belongs to God. We talk about my money and my this and my that, and I guess that's appropriate to some degree, but at the same time, deep within us, we know that everything I own belongs to God. None of it is mine. I am His servant. I'm His steward. I'm a manager of God's assets. It may be, it may come, the check may have my name written on it. It may go into a bank account that is, has my name written on it, but it's never mine. It's all God's. It's a pretty revolutionary thought if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you've never been born again and given your heart to the Lord and truly become His servant, that's kind of a foreign thought. And so you talk to someone that hasn't given their heart and life to Christ or not followers of the Lord about being a tither and giving 10% uh, back to the work of God, they're like, are you crazy? 10% of my money? But when you're a servant of God and you realize he owns all 10%. He needs 10, 10, he owns all 100%. He needs 10% to run his business, but he leaves the other 90 to bless my family and to make sure that I can continue to invest and grow. So he's not asking for my money. He's just asking for his own money. When I pay my tithes, that's just God's money going back in his hand. The other 90% he leaves in my realm of stewardship my realm of management. And he says, take this and use it carefully and, and use it wisely and cause it to multiply so that your life will continue to grow year after year. So we have to get straight ownership. I don't own my truck. I don't own my car. I don't own my kids and my grandkids. I don't own my house. I don't own my money. It all belongs to him. You see, the Bible teaches that we were bought with a price. Just like an individual would go down and buy a slave, I was purchased through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I became his servant. I became his child. I became his partner in business. I'm God's investors. And he saved me from sin, and he promised me eternal life with him, and he promised to bless me on this earth. But I have to be in partnership with God, and I have to be a good steward of the things that he's given me. 
Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So we have to get the whole idea of ownership straight and the fact that we're managers and not owners. I want you to mention to you how that these men were given amounts of silver based on their abilities. God perceived their abilities and invested them in them accordingly. I believe there's three qualities that God is looking for in us. When he gets ready to make an investment in us, he's looking for three things. First of all, he's looking for commitment and loyal, loyalty. You know, it wouldn't matter if, if, if your money manager was the best there's ever been. If he wasn't loyal and faithful and committed to you, you wouldn't want to hire him, right? I want to know that when I come back, my money's going to be there. I want to know they're going to be true to me and they're going to be working for me, not working for themselves. So I believe when God's looking to bless us and make an investment in us and invest in our lives so we can invest for him, he's looking for commitment. He's looking for loyalty. He's looking for followers. Today there is a plethora of great information about leadership. All the books in the world are being read about how to be a leader, how to be a leader. But you know, Jesus taught us how to be a follower first. He's looking for followers. And if you're a good follower, you'll probably end up being a leader, but it starts with being a good follower. He's looking for commitment. He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for loyalty. The second thing he's looking for is character a conduct in life and business, a conduct in relationships that is credible, that is righteous. God's looking for character. A few weeks ago, I mentioned the uh, Ten Commandments. And, and, uh, you know, there's a level of understanding where you're like, okay, these are ten things I can or cannot do. They're like do's and don'ts, laws of right and wrong. And if I break one of those, I'm in trouble. I don't break them, I'm pretty good. And, and there's, 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 that's a level of understanding and there's truth in that. But beyond that, the Ten Commandments are ten character qualities. It's not just I want to do what's right and I don't want to get in trouble with God. It's I want this character in me. God's looking for people with character. That they don't have to be policed. They don't have to have constant supervision. And be ready with some kind of correction if they step out of line. God's looking for character where his law is written in our hearts and we're doing the right thing because it is just in us to do the right thing and we have chosen to do the right things. God is looking for character. I know most of you have some kind of investments and maybe you're buying stocks or bonds and you look into the character of the company or uh, are, that you're investing in. What is the character of the company? And if the character of the company or maybe the individual is not good, you're backing off because you don't invest with people that doesn't have character. The third, char- the third thing I believe God is looking for is competency or skill. I could have someone that was totally dedicated to me and trying to help us in every way that they could. I could have someone that was full of character and and good behavior and good concepts and principles they live by. But at the end of the day, grow my money. That's competency. That's skill. And so when God looked at these three men and said five, two, and one, he was looking at three qualities or lack thereof. He said, number one, I want someone that's loyal and faithful and someone that's committed to me. Number two, I want someone that's got real character in their lives, that they're, they're, they are, they are, character is the stuff they are made out of. And thirdly, I'm looking for someone with competencies, skills and abilities that will bring me a return. Well, the good thing is that all three of these areas, we can impact individually. In other words, I can deepen my commitment to Christ. I can deepen my commitment to the kingdom of God. I can deepen my loyalty to God and the things of God. Number two, I can develop my character. I I can grow my character. I mean, whatever my past is, it is. But in the future, my character is going to be stronger and, and more sterling. And thirdly, I can learn how to do this. I can get better. 
I can grow my skills and I can become more and more competent. And so maybe if God had looked at me sometime in my past, I'd have been like a one-bag guy, you know? But I've been working on it with his help. Maybe I'm a two-bagger now. Maybe someday I'll be a five-bagger. Because these are all things that we can change in our lives. I realize there is an unchangeableness about life. Some people have certain gifts and skills and abilities that are truly amazing that maybe I don't have. But I can learn and I can develop skills and I can grow and I can be better than I've ever been. And I believe this story tells me that if I'll be my best and I'll follow God and I will learn and do His will, that He will invest more in me so I will have more to invest in life. I can be a five-bagger someday. You know, three words that we use to talk about investing is time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. They conveniently start with T, each of them, and it sort of helps us to remember that, first of all, we have time to invest. There's no greater investment that you and I will make than time because time is life. When you run out of time, you're dead. Time is life. And so time is important because we, we invest time in things we value. And whatever we invest our time in has to have a return. Now, you know, you can spend time doing things that have very little return. I'm not going to list things uh, entirely, but I mean, there's things you and I can do, and we may be resting, and we may be recycling, and there may be some value in just disconnecting. But if we just keep on and on, spending our time doing meaningless things that have no future return, inevitably we're going to end up bankrupt in the future because we've spent our time. The greatest asset I have is time because if you don't have any time, it doesn't matter what your other assets are, you're dead. But as long as you've got time to invest in good things, then you have a future. So the first thing we're concerned about, am I investing my time in the right things? Um, I'm kind of a budget guy, and I realize that everybody's not wired that way, and you don't have to be. It doesn't make me special, but I just think in terms of budgets. So, you know, we live on tight budgets, and we always, you know, look at what something's going to cost, look at it in advance, and I'm sorting all that stuff out. And so, you know, when you're creating a financial budget, you're looking at a you know, what I want to do and what's it going to take to accomplish that and what's most important to me, what are my priorities, I want to make sure I'm funding the priorities. Um, that, that kind of thinking is what, how you create a budget. Well, I have a reading budget. Um, I'm interested in a lot of stuff, and I like to read, and uh, I like to learn about things, and so uh, I have to be careful because I can spend all of my time reading about things that may not have a great return. It could be nonfiction things. It could be uh, interesting things that really don't add to my life. Uh, you can read things that are, you know, uh, about other people and their lives and the stars and the athletes. And you can just spend a lot of time reading. So what I do is I have a, a general schematic in my mind. I'm only going to read this much about this thing. Because if I read too much nonfiction or too much sports or, or too many things that are interesting and, and, and relaxing to me, then pretty soon I haven't read the Bible and I haven't read good books that move my life forward. So the way my mind works is, okay, you can only spend so much of your time reading certain kinds of material. Like I get most of my news from my apps on my phone. I've got several uh, key news outlets that I read the app. I found out that by reading the news, I get it a lot faster, and it, it, it's, it's a little more pure, and I can kind of pick what I want to read and what I want to know, and the rest I can skip over, and so I, I get there a lot faster. That's how I kind of stay up what's going on in the world. Um, so you've got to make sure that when you're reading your app on your phone, how much time are you going to spend reading the news? Uh, so, you know, because it's an investment of your life. Uh, I think that's important. How much time do you spend working? How much time do you spend resting? How much time do you spend with your family? Th these are things that are important because it's investments that we're making in our future. And if we don't choose to make good investments of our time, 
then we will waste it, spend it. It'll all be gone, and we still won't have the true riches that we desire. Can you say amen? Talent, uh, this kind of represents all the innate abilities that God has given us. You know, I'm looking at some very talented individuals here today. Talents of many kinds and shapes that allow you to do things that just little abilities God put in you. And those talents are are God-given. It doesn't make you special other than you're God's child. It makes you, uh, uh, it makes you uh, responsible for what he's given. If you have musical ability, you have a responsibility to develop that musical ability and use it for the kingdom of God and use it to bless other people's lives. If you have business acumen and you're able to be entrepreneurial and create business and to, to generate jobs and, and, and to create wealth, that, that's a responsibility God has entrusted you with. That's your bag of silver. That's what God gives you, talent. You could have a brilliant mind and be able to teach and be able to communicate. You could have a great medical mind and know how to bring healing to people's lives. And There's just all kinds of talents and abilities that God puts in us. And when you're young and you're growing up, you're, you're discovering and developing those talents. And then you put them to use in your life. And man, that, that's our responsibility. He's entrusted you with that. And we have to use them wisely. And then our treasures, that's the, the assets, the finances that we have. We have a responsibility to, give our, to use our treasures, our finances in a smart and intelligent way and to teach our children and our teenagers how to manage money long before they go to college, long before they've got a wife, kids, and a job. They need to learn how to manage money very, very young because it's a skill they're going to need throughout their life. And first of all, This time, talent, and treasure belongs to God. I give God my time, my talent, and my treasure. Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these other things, they'll be added unto you. So God owns first and foremost my time, my talent, um, and my treasure. So we are investors. And we grow through investing our time, our talent, and our treasures. This is how we grow as an individual. To invest is to allocate money or something other or some other resource such as time in the expectation of some benefit in the future. The devil's always trying to tempt us with the now. The now. The devil works in the now. God works in eternity. And so the devil's trying to get us to waste or misuse our lives now, but God's saying, look, use it right now so you'll have eternity to enjoy it. Small deposits that we make today over time will grow and will offer something far greater. Just small deposits. Um, A moment here, a day here, a day there, a word here or a word there. Whatever it is, we deposit small amounts, but given a period of time, they become uh, much more valuable. Money grows slow. Money grows, but slow. It's like an oak tree. It takes a long time to grow a big, giant oak. A weed, it'll pop up in my landscape overnight. I just cleaned it out last night, and today there's another one stuck its head out of the dirt. It's a weed. But an oak tree, year after year, you just barely see it growing. And that's the way money is. Money grows slow, but it definitely grows. There's no get-rich-quick schemes. There's no way to make money fast. Every once in a while I hear about a businessman or woman that made an investment, turned it over quick, and made a lot of money that that revolutionized their finances. And it looks like it was a get-rich-quick kind of a deal. But when you look back at the time that individual had prepared themselves to be ready for that opportunity, the investments they had made to get them in a position so they could even know about the opportunity, it was years of little investments of time, treasure, and talents. It was little investment that put them in the right place for something big and wonderful to come along. So nobody makes a lot of money suddenly. Money grows slowly, but it definitely grows Everything else of value has that same nature about it. It grows, but it grows slow. I want to move on a little faster now. God will hold us accountable for what we've done with the things he's given to us. Modern America does what is right in our own eyes. 
Christians live by the guidelines of the Bible. Modern America makes any laws or changes any laws according to what they see is right. But children of God have to live according to the, the guidelines of the Scripture. But modern America doesn't see God as our Heavenly Father, the one we have to be accountable to. The reason why we need to live by the Bible is because we have to be accountable to God, and that's His instruction book for life. But people that don't believe we're going to be accountable for God and that we're someday going to have to answer for our actions, they can just do whatever they want. Everything is right in their own eyes is right. They never are going to have to face God. But children of God like you and me, we know one day we're going to have to stand before God and we're going to have to give an account for everything we've done. He's got a set of books. We're talking about a database with every bit of information about every single human being that's ever lived on this planet. And one day he's opening the book and he's going to go through our lives detail by detail and he's going to ask us some questions. The unbelieving world doesn't believe that. They don't operate out of that base. They don't operate out of that base. But children of God operate out of the base from that He is our Father and we're going to have to be accountable to Him and we're going to have to answer to God for everything we've done on this planet. So the smart thing to do is to live by the teachings, the principles, and the guidelines of the Bible so that when He comes, we can look Him in the face with joy and celebrate with Him because everyone's going to stand before God. He's going to ask the question, what have you done? with what I gave you. What have you done with what I gave you? Can't blame it on anyone else. Mama, daddy, bad economy, wrong kind of friends. We're going to have to give an account for what he's given to us in our lives. In the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 48, you'll remember this statement by Jesus. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So we're not all going to be judged by the same standard. We're going to be judged by what he has entrusted with us and what we have done with it. <clears throat> we're going to be judged by the talent and the opportunities that God has given to us. And we're going to be rewarded by the increase, by the increase, how we have multiplied, how we have increased what he has given to us. And so at the end of it, um, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, the people he was talking about did a whole lot more than just show up on time. Sometimes we dumb down the word faithful. Faithful means they're always there, they're always on time, they're always, you know, doing their job. And that is certainly faithful, and it's a wonderful quality. But Jesus wasn't talking about just showing up, being there on time, being a warm body present. He was talking about investing and multiplying and increasing. So one day you and I are going to stand before God and we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not just going to be, I showed up, I was on time, I was present. No, you were fruitful, you were productive. Whether you're a tree, a human being, a business owner, the steward of a special talent or ability, God says, what I gave you is not what I want back. I want to see more added to it. That's the principles of God. You see, we're God's financial managers. We, we have been entrusted with certain assets and opportunities and abilities, and it's up to us to see them grow and multiply. Poor financial managers will be replaced. So every year I go and look at our retirement and we say, okay, how'd we do last year? And we put all the different factors in and, you know, how'd the stock market do and what's the economy like and, you know, where, what, where do we have our money invested? You, you guys know how all that works. And, you know, if over a period of time we do not feel like the return is significant for that, the economy of that season, then we're looking for another financial manager because our future greatly hinges upon 
our investment, just like all of yours. And so God says, you know what? If you don't do a good job managing my money, I will take it away and give it to someone that will. Serious subject that we're talking about today. So God rewards the faithful with more. So if you can take what you've got, multiply that and cause it to grow and improve on it, then he'll say, I'll give you some more. And I'll keep investing in you if you'll keep using what I've already invested in a wise fashion. And God's return, it's both earthly and heavenly. So God wants to bless us not only on earth but also in heaven. Some people think that all, God, all that we do for God is just waiting till we get to heaven. We breathe our last step into the glory and bam, all of our rewards waiting on us. Well, it is waiting there and it is wonderful and more than we can imagine. But God also promises earthly blessing too. So all my blessing is not going to suddenly become a reality when I breathe my last breath. But my blessings are here and now and there too. Because they're both earthly and heavenly. I just want the true riches that God has a promise to us. So what are you doing with, God, with what God has entrusted to you? What is your quality of life? What are your dreams? What are your goals? Are you investing, making small deposits today toward that dream and goal? You think just one day you're going to wake up and boom, your dream's going to be a reality? No, start now making small investments and someday it will be a reality. So envision what you want to be and accomplish in your life. Create a prayer birth strategy to achieve those goals. Start making investments in the kingdom of God, in yourself, and in other people. Investments that will lead you to the life and the person that you really want to be. Remember what the Apostle James said, faith without works is dead. Sometimes people are just dreaming. They call it faith. They're believing God. They're just dreaming. They're just dreaming. Until you mix works, action, a plan, a strategy with those what you're believing God for, it's just a dream. It's just a fantasy. But when you mix what you're believing God for with a real plan and real action, then suddenly faith comes alive and things begin to happen in a positive way in your life. And I want to encourage all of you in that. To be investors for God. Invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in yourself. And invest in others. And see what kind of return you will have in your life. I want to pray over you now as we close. First of all, I want to pray over your kingdom investments. This would involve every last penny you've ever given to the work of God. Every last penny you've ever given to someone in need or someone that was hurting. Every amount, every second worth of time and effort you've shared with others to benefit their life in some way. The investments you make in the kingdom of God. I want to pray over the investments you're making in yourself. Some of you are in college and, and some of you are pursuing personal development, investing in yourself for some future goal. I want to pray over you that God's blessing would be upon you, that you could continue to see those investments grow in yourself. And finally, those of you that are investing in others, spending your time, hoping to make their lives better, praying over them, blessing them in some way, but investing in them, I want to pray for that investment to be blessed and for you to see the reward in their lives, the lives that you are investing in. I'm going to ask you to stand now, if you will. Father, I pray that the principle of investment would be etched upon our hearts, engraven upon our minds and our outlook in life. I pray for the investors here today that have sown their time and their talent, their hearts and souls, and wondering if it's ever going to come up, if it's ever going to be a return. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and make them to know that their investment is safe and sure. If they've invested in people and they haven't seen much change, encourage them today and let them know that you're, you're working in their behalf. 
For those that have made financial investments, their future greatly hinges upon those investments. I pray, Lord, that you would guard what they've invested, cause it to multiply and grow. I pray for the people that have invested heavily through tithe and offerings in the kingdom of God in this church. May your good hand be upon them, that they would never be without, that they would never lack any good thing, that you would bless them as investors in your kingdom. I pray a blessing on the people of God today in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. You know, as I was praying, I felt like God took a step closer to us. Just one step closer to us. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just begin to let words of praise and love and adoration come from your heart out your lips. If you pray in a heavenly language, you'd want to do that now. And let's respond to the nearness of God. Cover us like a warm blanket, O God. Draw us close to you like a hen would gather her chicks. Your nearness means more to us, Lord, than all other things. Let forgiveness flow in this house. Like a river, let it go down every aisle and every row of chairs. Forgiveness toward oneself and forgiveness toward others. Let forgiveness flow. Let reconciliation and restoration flow in Jesus' name. Heal us, O oh God, we pray. Thank you for it, Father. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward now. And as is our custom, uh, we'd like to invite you down for prayer ministry. If you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord, you should do so immediately. You just walk down the aisle pick any of these men or women and say, I'd like to give my heart to the Lord. They'll give you some simple instructions right there. If you've been away from God and you want to come back, good. just say, look, you know, I want, to, I want to come back close to God. We'll pray with you. God will touch you and bring you in close. If you're facing some kind of serious challenge in your life, it could be health or finances or family or maybe it's the greatest opportunity, whatever it is, you can come down now and we'll pray for you. I want to thank all the wonderful people that are watching us online. God bless our online viewers. It's a pleasure having you with us today. I hope this word has touched you. I'll be back next week talking about God's investors. I'm going to talk about investing in yourself. I think it's going to be a blessing to all of you. Right now, we're going to have a men's huddle over to my left. If you men present here would like to go and meet Pastor Durbin, we're going to have about a 30-second huddle with the men. Got some wonderful things coming up. It's Father's Day season. I want you men to get over there and get plugged in and involved with that. Out in the foyer, the, our Epic students have got a great fundraiser going on. Please get over there and um, help them out. Thank you for helping our children at Mother's Day. This Sunday is for our Epic students raising their money to go to all the camps this year. So it's out in the foyer. It'll be a blessing to you. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and give you peace. May goodness and mercy follow you and the joy of the Lord fill your heart. I love you all. God bless you and thank you for being here today.